Hello and welcome to Up The Duff, our first episode of our brand new Cheltenham Town podcast. We've decided to launch it off the amazing news that Chris Clements didn't floss after a goal for the first time since December 2018. I'm kidding, of course. We are back at Wadham Road Saturday and I've never been more excited for a football match. Just get us started with some good memories of Wadham Road. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Oh, my first ever football match, I think, was back in 2005. It was England under-17s against Italy. Apparently Theo Walcott played or something, but it was at Wadham Road. I've been back every season since. How about you? Uh, my first match was... It was a, a 1-0 win against Lincoln in the 2009-10 season. I remember I was, in the, I was sat in the family stand with... Uh, just my dad. It's quite cold, so it's probably the winter time. Quite intermittently going at that point, but it was the start of something special. Speaking of 1-0 wins over Lincoln, one of my favourite atmospheres, I guess, that I've experienced was when those French fans came behind the goal. And it was the time when Danny Wright scored and Flinders had an absolute mad one. It's just an atmosphere I'd never really experienced at Cheltenham before. It definitely brought a new dynamic no, I certainly certainly remember that. But what was what's your favourite atmosphere that you've experienced inside Wadden Road, Ben? It's my my favourite atmosphere is probably that Lincoln one, but um, beating Grimsby 3-1 in the National League was also pretty special. To me, the best atmosphere I've experienced at Wadden Road is probably the um the first half an hour of the West Ham game. Obviously it didn't it didn't last. I can't, I can't remember when we went a goal down, but it was certainly um, a bit calmer very, from that point onwards. But you know, very weak goal to concede as well. No, it was, it was one of the first times I'd certainly been in the stadium for a, a, a full capacity match. Um, you know, it was packed like sardines behind the goal, and everyone, everyone singing. So, yeah. I remember, well, I don't really remember it, but my first memory really is Cheltenham Town against Doncaster, where Cheltenham had to win to stay up. Obviously, I seem to remember it being a very good game. We won pitch invasion. Now, had I remembered it, I could imagine that being a great atmosphere. I remember it being very full, very busy, lots of noise. Like, for some reason, the one memory that stuck with me was the uh, mascot for Doncaster being a dog and putting his head into his hands after we scored. No, I could have just completely made that up, but that's just something that I feel reminds me of Cheltenham for some strange reason. Um, it's always very strange when you see a mascot at an away game. It doesn't happen very often, does it? It's, it's kind of one of the reasons I think I made it up as a child. <laughs> but it's stuck as a memory, and it's a Cheltenham Town memory. So, what would you say is the most memorable game you've seen at Wadham Road? Ooh, the most memorable game of Arsenal Wadden Road is, to me at least, the 3-1 the against Grimsby. Um, obviously in front of the BT Sport cameras. Probably the night we all thought that it was actually happening. We were actually going to win win the league. We were going we to be the champions. I mean, champions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was a very, was, very special night. Of course, one uh, particular incident that stood out. <laughs> That was obviously Harry Pell diving to win us a free kick, which Dayton scored from, and absolutely nothing else happened the whole game. It's always a fun game when we host Grimsby. I remember uh, 
it was the 2-1 win when Pelly ran up to their fans and yes. by his ears and 40-year-old men running 50 yards to have a go at him. I know, it's, it's a beautiful scene. I, I empathise with the Grimsby fans at least a little bit in the sense that, you know, if someone does that to us, um, we'd be going mental too. But yeah, nothing nothing beats that level of uh, housery, as it were. That is the special part of football. If it happens to you, you hate it. If it happens to them, it is the greatest thing you'll ever see. Exactly, and it, that goes for so many things in football as well. You know, you talk about time wasting too gets you the know, end of game it. management game management oh yeah of course game game management it's only time really. wasting when it's against us you know you get you get to the end of the game you if you if you're two one down and the keeper's taking years and years to pick up the ball then you, you, you're gonna hate it but reverse the roles and it's it is incredibly funny just remind me i can't remember who it was but it was against us it was blatant time wasting They've gone to take a long throw and just thrown it above the Colin Farmer stand. <laughs> it's not come on the pitch and they have to take it again. We're just going mental at him. You've reminded me of the time on Boxing Day a few years ago against um, Barnet that one of their players picked the ball up for a throw-in and managed to throw it out of the stadium somehow. Still, I still can't believe you actually get that kind of height on the ball and you know somehow managed to make it curve out of the Colin Farmer stand but yeah obviously last night's game with us recording this on the Wednesday Ben Toza had his best shot at it took a long throw didn't go on the pitch that was great game management (laughs) obviously myself and Harry are season ticket holders at Wadham Road so we're there every week when we're allowed we'll just uh, talk a bit about our favourite away days I think the absolute best we ever went on was Crawley on a very, very, very boring nil-nil draw. I think I think we run the risk of exposing ourselves here, Ben, as you know, you know, not necessarily bad fans who only go to home games, but you know, as people who aren't necessarily as committed as others are to going away, and obviously, tragically, because of this year. Yeah, it's been even more difficult. I'm sure we would have gone to many away days this season now that we've got a bit more flexibility with our schedules. But I certainly have only been to 10 away days in my time as a Cheltenham fan. Some some more prosperous than others. It took quite a while to actually see Cheltenham win an away game. Went about 900 days between a win. It was Macclesfield in the National League to Yeovil on Boxing Day, I think it was. My last away day, though, was Northampton, where we got the 1-1 draw. And I feel like, had we been there for the playoff, that would have been an amazing away day. But instead, we was, I was sat in my living room in a house with two fans who'd just seen their team get promoted from League Two, and they were insufferable. But I also lived with a Mansfield fan, and I assigned the other guy a Carlisle supporter, which made things a bit nicer for me. He's not a Carlisle fan. He's from Red Car. His local team is Middlesbrough, I think, but that's not League Two, so we had to assign him one. He's not really taken it on and become the Carlisle Ultra I'd hoped for, but it was nice to still beat his team this season, even if he didn't know about it. Sometimes you just got to work with what you've got, make the most of that. It was a bad result, but an amazing away day was Portsmouth when we got to see them win the league. Obviously, the scoreline wasn't great. It reflected our performance quite well, though. So once-in-a-lifetime experience for those Portsmouth fans who, who hadn't seen their team top for league all season until some 20 minutes until the end. 
to see your team win the league is something special. Yeah, of course it is. But you know, to win to win the league in that in that style against all odds when you know they had Plymouth and Doncaster ahead of them for the entire season and looked at at some point like Doncaster were gonna run away with it too. Thankful our our title was a bit more clear going yes. into it. <laughs> I still haven't forgiven anyone for me missing that match against Halifax. It was my one regret in life. My my memories of the Halifax game. Um I don't I don't remember too much from early on in that day, largely because so much so much happened. We won two 0 uh, Dan Holman scoring yeah. both goals. I can't remember if he, he scored the penalty first or the um I think the penalty came first. The goal. Classic Dan Holman esque curler. Number of times I saw him just cut in and bend it that season, and I feel like League Two defenders they can kind of figure out when you're going to do that. Yeah, he became a bit unstuck in League Two, but you know that goal-scoring prowess was something very special. I think once once we'd got that two-goal cushion, it felt very safe. You know, they say the two two nils are, are dangerous scoreline, but with that team, once we'd got ahead, you just kind of knew, yeah. It's not slipping at this point. A famous day in Shelton Town's history. Then I remember towards the end of the game, you're looking maybe 85th minute onwards, you can you can feel the, the crowd starting to surge forward a little bit, you know. People making their way towards the gates. I think we were on the pitch before the final whistle had even gone. We were just held back by the white line. And the final whistle goes and, yeah, everyone is just sprinting to the centre circle. I remember thinking more in that moment that you just don't want to be the person who ends up falling over. My personal experience of us winning the league was finding out about nine, ten o'clock at night. I was in Snowdonia on some Duke of Edinburgh walk. Worst part is I didn't even complete my Duke of Edinburgh. That cost me one of the greatest days of my life. I'll never forgive them for that. Yeah. Not that it really matters because, no, I didn't get my DOV and I'm still watching Cheltenham and I'm going to see us win the league this year instead. Exactly, and hopefully we'll be in the stadium for that. When we host Harrogate Town on the 8th of May, we beat them 8 now, and we win the title. <laughs> we get to see Bolton and Bradford get relegated, because, you know, can't have little old Cheltenham in the same league as Bolton and Bradford anyway, can you? Oh, sorry, um, are we not right. Chelmsford? I believe that's what some Bradford's, Bradford fans were calling us last night. Can't believe we've lost a little old Chelmsford. I, well, to, I, I don't think there's a chance of both from going down while Southend are still in the same league as us. <laughs> Very good point. Southend have been truly terrible. Their, their start to the season was, was absolutely dire. You know, I think they only seem to do worse than the, in the whole of the um, English professional game is probably Derby. Wayne Rooney's Derby County obviously not doing too well. Just having a look at the table now, we've got Southend at the bottom on five points. Not good, but followed by Mansfield and Stevenage on 11. Now, Stevenage should not even be in League Two this season. They were by far the worst team last year, and they've stayed up because they've had a paddy. Incredibly fortunate that Ecclesfield tragically folded, saved them from the ignominy of relegation. Obviously, there is nothing sadder seeing your club die. It was a very real fear over lockdown to uh, think maybe Cheltenham might not make it. Obviously, we're not the biggest club out there. I feel like the fans really came together and did absolutely everything they can to make sure that club kept going. I've got my cardboard cutout of me over by the mirror. I've got 
for some reason a picture of Doyle Hayes on plasterboard up on my wall. For any money to the club, I'm happy to do that. That's, that's the thing. So many Kelton friends were incredibly gracious recently when the club pleaded to to fans to donate their season ticket money. And I, I know I certainly donated, and I think you very did too. But to. There's nothing wrong with getting a refund is probably make it very clear everyone's um, position is different just because we're lucky enough to be able to say yeah you keep it doesn't mean others can't and we respect that exactly but you know a, a lot of Cheltenham fans did their club especially proud i think ensuring the club's at least short-term survival Fingers crossed for the long term, obviously, but I think things are starting to look a bit brighter now. You're like, there's a way we could give back to the club or they could give back to us. And that would be to allow the fans to rename the Speedy Skip stand. Now, when you think of famous football terraces, the yellow wall of Dortmund, the cop at Anfield, the Holt End at Aston Villa, the Speedy Skip stand... It's not really got the same ring to it. So, sorry, sorry to derail your joke, Ben. But you know, people people do refer to it as the Presby Road end, and that is nicer than Speedy Skip Stand. But I suppose I'm suppose. gonna I'm, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you segue because I know how much this means to you. I know how much you'd love this player to have <laughs> a, a Cheltenham stand named after them. I think we should really go back to a club legend. We should go back to that National League title-winning era and a player so instrumental in us staying in League Two and rename the Speedy Skip Stand the Pell End just after the legend of Cheltenham Town. That's what we just... Something to really bring everyone together. What do you think? I, I agree. You know, I think that I think the Pell End would be a wonderful name for a stand. There's nothing suspicious about that name at all. Did all right. I now have a yellow card signed by the man himself. I didn't actually know that. <laughs> I got a red card signed by Carl Storer as well. That was Pelly's idea. There could be other ways we could go. We could copy Aston Villa and look at the Gustav Holst end rather than the whole end. When you think about it, there aren't really that many famous people from Cheltenham. Obviously, as a massive fan of music, we did have a quick look at what famous musicians there are around here. And it famous one has been dead for over 100 years now. Obviously, we've had Brian Jones of the uh, Rolling Stones and someone called FKA Twigs was raised in Tewkesbury, but we didn't really have anyone else from here. Yes, this is this is an appeal. If you know anyone who makes music who is famous from Cheltenham, please tell us, because we are thirsty for knowledge. The Made of Cheltenham campaign, I feel, was just really good to bring local businesses on board but i just i feel the reason there was no music involved in that is because there's no one really from cheltenham good at it there's definitely people from cheltenham who are very good at it there's not really people yeah that is um it's a real shame but you know cheltenham doesn't have a very bustling music scene so it's not to um to bring the talents through we obviously we do have a few fairly famous people the one they tend to talk about is edward wilson from the uh, expedition to the arctic he's got a museum he's got a fair amount of stuff we've got eric dyer who lived here until he was about five when his mum got a job with the hospitality at euro 2004 or something we've we've hosted a few top flight stars now we've got Antonio was here for a little bit, Kamara Roof, Jack Butland, we've got Nat Hay over in the Women's Super League. What is there now in Cheltenham? Not much. 
pretty soon though league one football feel like we went off on a bit of a tangent just then so uh, let's get back into the football how excited are you to be there saturday i am ecstatic it has been an incredibly long time coming something like um, 266 days since the uh, fans were last in a professional match in england yeah it's it's mental. I, I can't even remember what the last game mine was, two was. Port Vale that very boring nil nil at home right yeah then that was probably the last game I went to as well didn't really go out with a bang did we really painful memories of Port Vale costing us a trip to the Etihad so, so. yeah they were um they're quite the bogey team for us now thinking about it which is very annoying looking forward to Saturday's opponents. What memories have we got of Exeter? I'd say it was our, one of our first games back in the Football League, that horrible 3-0 defeat at home. That Connor Thomas penalty last season in the 90th minute where everyone just went mental. Well, I remember the first the first away day that me and you went on was Exeter away on a Tuesday night in 16-17. It was before Exeter had their nice new away end. We were on a very nice, cold. cold, very cold terrace. We got to watch Cheltenham lose 3-0. The first of the three goals being scored by none other than Reuben Reed. Well, like judging our progress, it's quite handy to do it against Exeter. We lost 3 0, then we've had a two goal lead and lost 4 3 in the end. But now it's much closer. We get 1 1s, 2 1s. I feel like we can really see how much progress we've made. Well, that's the thing. Exeter City are very, they're a very well run club they've they've been at the sharp end of the table every season for the last five or so seasons they've hilariously lost two or three playoff finals so i i think they're a good benchmark for the for the kind of club that cheltenham want to be you know one with stability both on and off the pitch to see us going toe-to-toe with clubs like that in in the division is um, a good indication of where we're going feel like Saturday's game, probably one of the best that there could be to come back to. Two informed teams. Exeter have won the last three in a row, scored 13 goals, but conceded four. Obviously, Cheltenham are seven unbeated. It is second versus third, and I think it's an absolutely massive game for this season. I think it's going to be a very good game for the neutral. Unfortunately, As there will said, be no neutrals in attendance. For us, I'm, I'm bricking it. I'm very nervous, but also very excited. I feel like you know we are we are seven games unbeaten we're quite good at grinding results out but we are coming up against an almighty team you wonder how well we're going to cope with a team of that caliber that i think what we've seen all season is that we've struggled against the um the weaker teams in the league but we have managed to show our quality when we've met bigger clubs we beat peterborough we beat and crew in the cup cambridge was a good game you know, against these stronger clubs we definitely can hold our own that's the big worry isn't it which which Cheltenham team is going to show up is it going to be the team that makes light work of, of forest green and like peterborough and crew or is it going to be the team that struggled against paul vale and oldham and even bradford last night for the first half of the game the pointing result for us was that 3-1 against grimsby wasn't good at all exeter have just beaten them 4-1 they seem to be in form exeter beat gillingham 3-2 in the fa cup then a whopping 6-1 win against colchester but some brighter news Exeter's last defeat was the game before that, a 2-1 home loss to Oldham. This, yeah, this is a team in 
quite incredible form. Their attack is making light work of some of the league's strongest defences. We have to make sure we don't we don't get too ahead of ourselves, like we've shown on certain occasions recently. Obviously, our last defeat came to Oldham as well, so Oldham must be doing something right for a team that haven't finished top half in about 10 years. With this impressive attack, there was, there must be a difficult decision to be made behind the scenes of who starts in goal for Cheltenham Town. What do you feel? Listening to the game last night with BBC Radio Gloucestershire commentary, they made a relatively good point about choosing to put Josh Griffiths in goal, which is about kind of building and uh, fostering a relationship with West Brom. I, I do think that, you know, there is something to be said about that. We might have certain contractual obligations with West Brom to, to play Josh Griffiths. I think Scott Flinders gives us um, a level of stability so much more and... confident in his box he commands his area and obviously from last night's yeah. goal that's not something Griffiths can really do if I feel assured with Scott Flinders in goal Flinders came <laughs> in with a iffy reputation as butter Flinders we weren't too sure what to expect he's come in to really give a scare to John Flapp who honestly not one of the best goalkeepers I've seen not really at all very good you look back and you still think it's a strange transfer Scott Flinders had spent the last few years of his career in the, the non-league system. He'd been at uh, Hartlepool, Macclesfield, York City, and Gary Johnson has signed him on a on a free transfer. You know, he's come in with that reputation of batter Flinders. He, at the time, I think everyone was a bit worried that this is a goalkeeper that might be costing us points but with the right with the right players around him he has flourished yeah he's been absolutely fantastic and he is very much a core part of this team I feel a lot of praise testament to Steve Book in this because if you look back at Chelton Town's goalkeepers over the year you see some very good names Dylan Phillips being a standout Jack Butland we had Scott Brown had him for two spells Second spell, he's gone back. He's got promoted with Wickham, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. And obviously, yeah. Flinders has become one of the best goalkeepers in the league now, too. A bit about ourselves. All right. I am Ben. I'm a University of Gloucestershire student, sports journalism. Heavily involved in coaching, especially with the Chelton Town ladies side. Done a bit of the first team there, development side. We had a game at Wadham Road, which was very nice. Someone drew a Charlie Chaplin moustache on Will Boyle's picture in the dressing room. That's something I noticed when I went in there the first time. Which was interesting. They must be a fan of comedy. How about you, Harry? I'm I'm Harry. I'm twenty. Really, currently unemployed, unfortunately, as a result of the uh, ongoing COVID crisis. Marketing man, graphic designer. Um, I see some very good graphic designer work from Harry on some of our social media. The uh, the image for this episode was marvelously done by myself on Snapchat. So it's not the best. I feel really gets the idea of our podcast across. And that is that. Thank you for listening to episode one of Up the Duff. We hope it's been interesting and entertaining. Maybe you've learned something about us, something about Cheltenham. You're going to have to get used to these tangents. We do tend to lose focus and chat about what we want to chat about. But hopefully we get enough Cheltenham Town in there with it for you to uh, stick around. So thank you for listening. Well, we'll definitely do an episode two because we will. And if they do well, we'll keep going. And if they do bad, we'll just keep going and know that no one likes it.